You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. There's been great concern, mainly among Democrats, over a possible third party or so-called unity candidate running in 2024. As the group No Labels today fans the flames of the big event in New Hampshire, featuring names, including Senator Joe Manchin, who, of course, some think is considering a third party run. It's not an accident that he ends up there and he's been working with no labels for a while. Joe Lieberman is uh, part of that group, no labels, and talked about the idea of running against a Donald Trump, Joe Biden world, hypothetical, of course, in 2024. He talked about it on ABC this week. We think the American people are so fed up with the two parties and so pessimistic about the course that our country is on, that they may well be ready for a third choice, a bipartisan unity choice next year. And if that's the way the polling looks, we're going to run. Of course, Democrat turned independent. He knows a thing or two about running as a third party, has little experience in that. We talked to one of Joe Lieberman's colleagues now at No Labels, Pat McCrory, the former governor of North Carolina, is national co-chair of No Labels, and he joins us from the event in New Hampshire. Governor, welcome back to Bloomberg. Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, people have a lot of basic questions for you and your group right now and how what you're up to might play into this presidential cycle. Is there going to be a Manchin-Huntsman ticket for president? Well, we haven't decided yet whether we're going to have a ticket or not, but our first goal is to get on every ballot in the 50 states as an insurance policy in case uh, after Super Tuesday of next year, Trump and Biden are the two candidates that look like will win, then we'll most likely run a third ticket, uh, presidential ticket, most likely a a bipartisan ticket, president and vice president, but only if uh, Biden and Trump are the two final nominees, because according to those surveys, more than 60 to 65 percent of the people don't want either one of them. Mm -hmm. Therefore, a third party candidate would have a very good chance of winning uh, the electoral vote. And that's our that's our goal. But between now and then, what we hope to do is influence the two political parties with a common sense agenda. So if Donald Trump is not the Republican nominee and Joe Biden is still running, does that change the equation for you? You need them both to be in place. Most likely, uh, based upon our surveys, we've never seen such dissatisfaction with those two candidates facing each other in American history. Usually about 40% of the people disagree with the two nominees. Mm -hmm. 
Now we have that well over 60%. Uh, so we've never seen this variant. So the historians are all saying, the pundit historians are all going, well, there's no way a third party could win. Well, there's never been a circumstance where the two parties and the leading candidates have been so far uh, disconnected with the majority of American people. Yeah, And, you know, people well, are looking for, I think right now, a voice of common sense, a voice of leadership, a, a voice of bringing people together. And that's what we're willing to offer if we get on the ballots. Now, the two political parties right now, mainly the Democratic machine, is trying to keep us off ballots in like Arizona, Maine, and my own state of North Carolina in a very unconstitutional way. So we've got operatives uh, out of D.C. who are maintaining the status quo, want to protect the status quo and the power of the two political parties. What's unconstitutional that they're doing? Well, the Const- it actually talks about giving access to the ballot. And uh, most state laws require that, too, that if you like in North Carolina, we've got all the signatures required. Okay, they have been verified. And yet the state elections board just happens to not they're slow rolling it. And they happen to get a letter from MoveOn.org the day before the vote. And next thing we know, there was no vote. So it's been three months now. And uh, this is inexcusable. The secretary of Maine wrote a letter to all the people that signed our signature saying, are you sure you want to do this? Never has been done before in Maine history hmm. where the Secretary of State has written people who have signed petitions. Well, so um, Can you get on the prints. ballot without a candidate announced? How does that work? Yeah, you can get on the ballot without uh, a candidate. And then uh, if we do decide to run after Super Tuesday, we'll have a convention in Dallas hmm. in April and we'll nominate uh, a president and a vice president to go on the ballot. Well, you know, you're upsetting a lot of people, uh, which is, yeah. I think, I mean, you're you're alluding to this yourself. <laughs> Largely Democrats appear to be very upset over the idea well, of, of a third party. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, look, it's based on history. They feel like they've seen this movie before. Doug Jones talked about it on uh, ABC this week. This is part of the conversation on Sunday morning television. Listen to what he said, Governor. There is no way on God's green earth that they can get to 270 electoral votes, which means they will be a spoiler. One way or another, there'll be a spoiler. So how is the no labels effort not a spoiler? And I think that you're saying here uh, that it would only be a spoiler if these two individuals were in the race. Well, these same political pundits said there was no way Barack Obama would be president. There was no way that Donald Trump would be president. And now they're saying there's no way a third party can be president. But they've never seen. In fact, I could argue that the the either Biden or Trump might be the spoiler for us. <laughs> I haven't upon, heard that yet. Yeah, based upon the number of people that are dissatisfied with both those candidates. So I just I find it ironic that all these people are trying to protect yeah. or have the arrogance to assume that the American people have to concur with their choices in the primary. Well, you're working with Joe Manchin, uh, among yeah. others. And my goodness, there's there's a full throated effort here in Washington, D.C., to pull him away from the idea of running as a unity candidate. What do you talk about with Joe Manchin when this comes up? He's been working with no labels for over 10 years as you know, part of the Problem Solvers Caucus. So Joe is not new to, to no labels. And, um, and John Huntsman is going to be here, former governor mm-hmm. of Utah, former ambassador to China. He's run on a Joe Lieberman ticket. and I serve as co-chairman of this group along with uh, Ben Chavis. So you've got Joe Lieberman and Ben Chavis. I mean, Ben Chavis, a civil rights pioneer, 
So it's kind of derogatory. It's kind of demeaning that the former senator from Alabama, I believe, would say Ben Chavis is doing this as a uh, um, in a way to defeat you know, a Democratic candidate. Well, so, Governor, what's the constituency? That's something I hear a lot of people ask. Is is it those who are just fed up with status quo? They don't like old guys? What's the constituency for a no-labels candidate? I think the major constituency are those people who don't have a home in either political party, who feel like neither political party is speaking to them, who want common-sense solutions, who want results. And the constituency is not being listened to in either Democratic or Republican primary. Plus, for example, North Carolina, which is the ninth most populous state, my own state, 37 percent of the people are registered to vote independent, registered. Don't consider themselves independents. They are independents, which is more than both the Democratic and Republican Party. So just looking at those statistics, it seems like the Democratic and Republican operatives would be going, uh, maybe maybe the people aren't listening to us. How do you raise money without a DNC or an RNC? Well, we've, we're raising money through grassroots effort. We're part of a nonprofit at this point in time. But once the candidates are selected, if we do do to do that, the candidates are going to be the ones to raise the money. And, and uh, sadly, you know, a lot of the money, money is now being raised through super PACs and through candidate donations. Mm-hmm. And that's, I assume, the way. If we do have a uh, uh, two candidates selected and we want them on the ballots, they'll they'll follow the same rules and procedures as both the Democrats and Republicans. And am I hearing you right that you have not selected a candidate yet? You don't know who that would be no. if you chose to run. No, we okay. have not begun that process yet. We, we would have a a selection process, a nominating process, and then a convention in April in Dallas, which is on the books in Dallas, Texas. And so that and would be the point in time. In all one hundred. If, uh, if, oh, all 50 states. If Donald Trump and Joe Biden are still in place at that time, that's when you pull the ripcord. That's correct. And that's if the surveys continue to show such large dissatisfaction okay. with Trump and Biden being the ticket. Yeah. Being the choice. And we think America deserves better. And that's not what we think. That's what the American people are telling us. I hope we can stay in touch with you as we figure this out. Call anytime. I'd be glad to. I think we have a chance to make history. Pat McCrory, former governor of North Carolina, national co-chair of No Labels. We thank you for the time on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you very much. And we assemble our panel for their take. Deeply curious to hear from Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors, our signature panel here on Bloomberg Radio. Jeannie, the Democrat here, uh, what do you think? He says it's not a spoiler. He said... Maybe Joe Biden is the spoiler. What's going to happen today in New Hampshire? Well, I I think they are going to go out and make their case. But, you know, I think they are identifying a very real problem. We do see it in the polls. People don't like on both sides, either Trump or Biden. But the reality is it is much easier to talk about some theoretical unity candidate. These third party campaigns that have done well, never won electoral votes, mind you, but done well, have done well on the backs of a specific candidate with, you know, somebody like Ross Perot, somebody like John Anderson, Jill Stein, Ralph Nader, people who go out and make their case and are attractive candidates to people. And still they have done little except disrupt the major parties. Even 19 percent, Ross Perot gets zero electoral votes. Um, 
you know, 2000, somebody like Joe Lieberman knows very well that those votes were taken by Nader in Florida. So they don't need to win a state. They don't need to get the majority. They can be disruptors. But the reality is, and, and I give Chris Christie credit for saying this, only two people are going to win in 24. That is going to be the Republican or Democratic nominee. Anything else is disruption or putting a very important issue on the table, which is important, but not going to win you an election. Rick Davis, you just heard uh, Governor McCrory, and you know Joe Lieberman very well, having worked closely together over the years uh, when you were working with Senator John McCain. What is the motivation here if, if it's not to spoil the race? No, I, I think... Absolute frustration. I mean, you got to you got to hand it to them. Uh, no label started as a group trying to, you know, uh, pull people together. The Problem Solvers Caucus arguably is a healthy thing uh, within the House of Representatives, especially. Uh, but, um, you know, as a policy group, it makes total sense as a political initiative. Uh, it, it runs against uh, the strong currents of a, a historical two party system. And and I'd say, you know, their arguments even against Joe Biden and Donald Trump echo what I hear in polling and see in polling all over the country. Sure, people are unsatisfied with these people as choices, but it's not like they're not known entities, right? I mean, Donald Trump was the president of the United States and Joe Biden is the president of the United States. So, you know, in, it, in addition to running against a two-party system, they're running against two incumbent presidents to some degree. And so uh, I don't see how it can result in anything other than putting a thumb on the scale, frankly, in this case, for Donald Trump. Well, it does make you wonder how this is going to work, Jeannie. I don't know if you followed the logic there, but um, I, maybe I just don't understand the way this stuff works well enough. But they, they're going to wait until Super Tuesday, essentially. How do you jump into a presidential race that late? It's very, very tough. I mean, it looks like their goal is to get on the ballot without a named candidate. And then, of course, you know, you have a lot of frustrated Democrats saying this is not going to be the small D Democratic process they're talking about. This is going to be a coronation. This is going to be Joe Lieberman, big donors who they by the way aren't disclosing, who are going to be naming a candidate at that point if they do decide to go ahead with this. It is an uphill battle, to say the least. Democrats are concerned because 538 and others, when they have done the deep dive on this data show that when it is a head-to-head -head Biden versus Trump, Biden is either tied or ahead by a point or two. When they put in a third-party candidate, Trump is ahead or tied. Yeah. And that is why they are very, very concerned about this, rightly so. Biden's team feels that this is one of this small number of things that can really cost them the election. And they are right on that historically because we've seen that in the two campaigns incumbent presidents have lost in 80 and 92 when third-party candidates that were attractive pulled votes from their side. Well, we're going to be listening uh, closely to Joe Manchin's event a little bit later on uh, over the course of the day, the former governor of Utah, John Huntsman, who I mentioned in that conversation, also part of uh, the series of what they're calling Common Sense Town Halls at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. A lot more on this and a busy weekend for the Republican candidates coming up with our panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Big day for no labels with the common sense town halls happening in New Hampshire, and it's got a lot of us talking about the idea of a unity candidate. Can we get to this or not? Maybe not for a while, as we heard from the national co-chair of No Labels, Pat McCrory, earlier in the broadcast, that they're waiting till Super Tuesday to find out if both Donald Trump and Joe Biden are in the race. He tells us here on Bloomberg Sound On, if that is the case, they will run a No Labels candidate. If even one of them Either drop out, maybe both, whatever they're envisioning here, then there's no no labels. I guess they cancel their convention and we have this conversation again in four years. A lot of ifs there. With the conventional wisdom in Washington, certainly among Democrats, although both of our panelists seem to agree, Rick and Jeannie, on this, that, yeah, it would be a spoiler for Joe Biden specifically. Remember, we talked about it with Jim Kessler recently from Third Way, that group is working overtime to try to keep this from happening. Got into it with Jim Kessler and Sarah Chamberlain, Republican strategist on a recent edition of Balance of Power. I can tell you, <laughs> Democrats are super worried about that, and they believe that Donald Trump can win in that situation. Well, history yeah. shows he, he could win. I mean, look back. It's it's never happened before. It has prevented Democrats from winning. Go back to Al Gore and sure. others, but it's never prevented a Republican from winning. We reassemble the panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, Rick, what's your thought on the timeline here, the calendar that they're looking at? I mean, you've done this a few times. Could you run a candidate out of the blue starting on Super Tuesday? Uh, you're going to need a lot of money uh, because yeah. you're going to basically be introducing a brand new concept to the American voters and potentially... Uh, to people who may not have all that much national name ID. And you, if you believe them at what they say, they're going to be competing for electoral votes, you know, and it means they got to run in almost every state. So uh, it, the logistics of it are virtually insurmountable, uh, but uh, the number one piece that makes a lot of that happen is going to be money. And 
Think about what these presidential campaigns spend in excess of a mm-hmm. billion dollars. Where are they going to get it? Yeah, I don't know. Jeannie, you said maybe a couple of fat cats come along, but then that becomes a liability for the candidate. Yeah, I don't know if a billion dollars worth of fat cats come along. You could get some. <laughs> they could choose a candidate. Uh, you know, I do think, again, that they are identifying a real concern, and this is a concern shared amongst Republicans and Democrats as well. They These are not popular leading candidates at this point. But the reality is, number one, theoretical me is much more attractive than actual me, and they don't have an actual candidate yet. And number two, these third parties have done a good job putting really important issues on the table. Think back. Balanced budget, Ross Perot, critically important. Clinton and Gingrich ran with that afterwards. But beyond that, they have done little except spoil or take votes to your the the uh, the portion you just played, primarily in the modern era from the Democrats. And that is that is why Democrats are very very concerned. And again, you look at these deep dives; they have reason to be concerned. This is one of the three or four things that the Biden team feels can cost them a reelection. So it is mm-hmm. a big concern. I don't know if, if either of you think that it's it's still unlikely that Donald Trump becomes the Republican nominee. You can weigh in on it. But I'll tell you, over the weekend uh, at, at this uh, evangelical event down in Florida that we talked about a bit on Friday, uh, the other Republican candidates had a tough time. Now, Ron DeSantis was not there and everyone was reminded of it repeatedly. But get a sense of what it was like to not be Donald Trump or in this case, a man named Asa Hutchinson. It's my I am delighted to be here today to express my support for Mm -hmm. young people being engaged in the political arena and fighting for the conservative cause. They didn't stop the whole time. Young people, you are leading the charge that's ahead. I just finished eight years as governor of Arkansas. And I was happy to be able to say... I mean, I could just keep this going. This, by the way, was at the Turning Point Action Conference. I should have been more specific. West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, A tough slog here. Of course, Donald Trump's headlining speech uh, was very well received. Rick, would you tell candidates like Asa Hutchinson to go into that lion's den? No, I think that was an easy decision to make if you you skip it. Uh, Look, this is the organization that has you know, really come to its fore uh, behind Donald Trump's efforts. Uh, they're, they're evangelical in their support for him. <laughs> Thank uh, you for they, they were, the, uh, they were the, uh, the force behind Kerry Lake's campaign in Arizona. Uh, really, the, the, the whole grassroots effort was a turning point initiative. And, uh, and they've had their series of scandals. So mm-hmm. if you're a legitimate presidential campaign, uh, you really got to look at the scheduling around that and go, why in the world would we go there? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you caught much of this over the weekend, Jeannie. This may not have been part of your weekend plans. Uh, But Donald Trump uh, definitely enjoyed himself. As I mentioned, you got the full treatment. Uh, Even Roger Stone uh, spoke to a fairly uh, pleased crowd. But if you were not part of MAGA, and if you were going to dare run against uh, Donald Trump, whether your name's Mike Pence or Asa Hutchinson, you're not welcome. 
That's right. And I think the fact that Roger Stone got a warm embrace or beyond a warm embrace is telling. Um, you know, I do give Asa Hutchinson credit for going there for, you said, called it a lion's den, a snake pit, whatever you want to call it. I said um, lion's den. I did <laughs> I'm calling, you did not say snake pit. I said that. I will clarify that. Um, but I do, you know, these are very active, conservative, many young people who supported, to Rick's point, Trump. And that is where they are aligned. But you don't change people's minds unless you speak to them. They get to know you. So I do give him credit for going there and making his case. But you can't expect that that is going to be something that is going to elicit a, you know, a significant turn of opinion in that kind of format. That would take a long time. And let's not forget, Asa Hutchinson, like Chris Christie, has been one of the most critical on the trail Mm -hmm. of Donald Trump. That's true. Uh, And uh, Donald Trump sat for an interview in which he talked about some of the other candidates over the weekends. Talked with Maria Bartiromo on Fox Uh, who asked him about this idea that Rick Davis floated that has become part of the conventional wisdom now that he's not going to show up to the first Republican debate that would be next month in Milwaukee. going to show up, Mr. President. Uh, Ron DeSanctis, as I call him, or DeSanctimonious, is down to, uh, he's in the teens now, and I'm at 50 and 60 and 65, and even I saw one today at 70. 70? And so you're leading people by 50 and 60 points, and... You say, why would you be doing a debate? It's not it's actually not fair. Why would you let somebody that's at zero or one or two or three, you know, be popping you with questions? So you're still thinking he's a no show, Rick? Yeah, it sounds like a no show to me. Yeah. Uh, if, if he's talking himself into attending, it didn't sound like it. Uh, so and I and I actually one of the rare moments I agree with Donald Trump uh, when 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 everyone's having trouble getting traction. Why give them an opportunity to get traction? And the little bit of uh, gas that he'll take by blowing it off and not showing up, uh, uh, who's he going to upset? The RNC? Paid for and 100% endorsed by Donald Trump. I mean, these are his people. So uh, I, I think there's no downside for him other than the fact that he will not enjoy the opportunity to take these guys on directly himself. Mm-hmm. And in that match, I sort of give advantage Donald Trump. There's something he said in this interview that I was amazed isn't making more news, and that was his take on Taiwan, Jeannie. Uh, asked about whether we would defend Taiwan if it were invaded by mainland China. And, of course, this is being talked about a lot right now in Washington. Uh, the president's even talked about this in interviews. Listen to his take. If China takes Taiwan, they will turn the world off, potentially. I mean, potentially. Uh, but remember this. Taiwan took, smart, brilliant. They took our business away. We should have stopped them. We should have taxed them. We should have tariffed them. He meant turn the world off because all the semiconductors are there. But this is a new uh, case that he's building, Jeannie. That, that, I guess Taiwan stole our business, and so we should not defend them? Yeah, yeah. That, it was unclear to me exactly where he was headed with this. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure it, it's fair to say they stole our business. Uh, they built a thriving business <laughs> no. themselves to their credit. And, and you know, I would guess that that's where he is headed with this. But, you know, what he would do about it as president, like what he would said he would do in Ukraine in that same interview, which was baffling to me, he would end this thing again in 24 hours because both Zelensky and, and Putin like him so much. It, it's unclear to me where he's going with this or what he would do as president. But I think he is right to say that Taiwan has built a very thriving business and they are the envy of much of the world at this point. And it is something that the United States and China have to contend with.
Boy, I, yeah, we'll have more time for this. I want to hear Rick weigh in, and it certainly ties into the interview today that uh, you heard from uh, Janet Yellen here on Bloomberg talking about China, why the tariffs are still in place. That goes back to the Trump administration, and we're going to go there coming up next. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of questions about what makes the difference between this administration and the Trump administration when it comes to China. Despite a lot of two steps forward, one step back, policy hasn't actually changed that much. Despite some of the talk we've heard, there are additional restrictions on technology, but the tariffs uh, remain in place. Thanks for joining us. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, the fastest show in politics with our signature panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. And China, always looming over the conversation here uh, inside the Beltway. My colleague Anne-Marie Hordern spoke with Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, a little bit earlier today about those tariffs on China. We're undergoing a four-year required review of tariffs. And, of course, China also retaliated, putting tariffs in place on us. Um, We have to see what comes out of the four-year review. But I would emphasize... Um, that really the underlying concerns we have have not yet been addressed, and we Mm. need to work on that going forward. Concerns not been addressed. Rick Davis, I wonder uh, your thoughts on this administration's view of China as it's compared to the Trump administration. It's, It's a slightly different posture, but things like the tariffs hang around, and this White House doesn't think it's seeing any progress. 
much less focus in the Trump administration on human rights issues. The Biden administration made a big deal out of that, which is good. Uh, and uh, both of them have been, uh, I think, very aggressive when it comes to sort of a military buildup on our part in the uh, Indo-Pacific. Uh, 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 so that's very similar. And I'd say financially, it's been very similar. I mean, uh, Trump identified uh, unfair trade practices that uh, China uh, was using um, and slapped them with tariffs. Uh, and the, basically, from what we just heard of Janet Yellen in the interview on Bloomberg, uh, she doesn't seem totally satisfied that those uh, unfair practices have changed. And, and in this four-year review, it'll be interesting to see if they, they continue. But certainly, they've continued for the last two and a half years. How do you get out of the blocks in a relationship like this then, uh, Jeannie? Or, or is decoupling really the, the whole point of this? You know, I would just add another element to this. Even if they saw a change, it is politically unpalatable at this point for the Biden administration to look like they are easing up on China. That would be a death blow in this election for the Biden administration. So, you know, Janet Yellen, when she went over and had these discussions, there was some hope amongst Chinese, uh, the Chinese leadership that there might be movement on the tariffs. But look at what happened. You had hardliners like Josh. Hawley tweeting about she the fact that she was groveling to China and it was a historic mistake. You had Donald Trump saying if China fails to comply with removing its its uh, spy capability from Cuba, he's going to impose new tariffs. There is simply no political appetite in the United States at this point to ease up on tariffs. So I would say mm -hmm. if it happens, it won't happen until and unless the uh, Biden is reelected in 24. And even then, it's going to be an uphill battle given how much anti-China sentiment there is in the United States at this point and in the U.S. in particular amongst the electorate as they look at 2024. Joe Biden is planning to meet with President Xi at some point here, Rick. At least that's a, that's what we're told the purpose of all these meetings. At some point, Gina Raimondo will go. Everybody gets together. Then at last, the two presidents will speak again for the first time in quite a while. Will he, will he be accused of, of being soft on China when that happens in the throes of a campaign? No, it depends on what happens. Uh, uh, simply meeting doesn't really uh, create an outcome. Uh, and from what we can tell, this administration is looking at controls on outbound investment, which could be very difficult for China to stomach. Uh, and uh, so, uh, it, you know, policy matters in this case. And if he is aggressive and says, you know, in order to get these tariffs off and in order to have a productive relationship, we're going to have to reset uh, how uh, we believe China should operate, and that would include both economic, human rights, and military, then um, then he's got a good chance of maybe not necessarily getting a deal from China, but preserving his political status in the, in the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I suppose, well, I don't know if there's talk about Taiwan, but he'll have to reinforce uh, that the one China policy still stands. You have to say that every time you talk to them, unless that president becomes Donald Trump, uh, although, I don't know. Listen to Donald Trump. Doesn't seem too worried about a Taiwan invasion. And I wanted to have you weigh in on this. Rick, it's from his interview with uh, Maria Bartiromo at Fox. If China takes Taiwan, they will turn the world off, potentially. I mean, potentially. Uh, but remember this. Taiwan took, smart, brilliant. They took our business away. We should have stopped them. We should have taxed them. We should have tariffed them. Okay, so I don't know how you interpret that answer rick but it's going to turn out it sounds to me like joe biden's the china hawk here in this campaign well you, you can't rely on donald trump to be a hawk 
consistently. It just depends on what day of the week it is and okay. what, what political scores he wants. But sure, uh, uh, you know, what he's saying is that uh, RCA gave their semiconductor rights back in the 1970s uh, to, to Taiwan, and they made a whole industry out of it. Uh, but uh, And he's right that you have to fear what the impact to that technology is going to be, accessibility, if China tries to invade. But uh, you try to wrap that up, and he, he almost makes it sound like it's Taiwan's fault if yes. they get invaded. So, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to take a lot of what Donald Trump says about uh, issues related to China seriously. Uh, some give him credit for changing the dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. It was pretty apologetic on the U.S. part during the Obama administration. He got more muscular with it. Uh, but the hope was that Biden would add a layer of strategy to that. And uh, I think most China watchers are still looking for what that strategy is. I thought this was the one bipartisan thing that we could find, other than maybe hating on social media, Jeannie, that there was a bipartisan movement here in the U.S. to contain, if not decouple, from China. And then this former Republican president shows up. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's perplexing, like so much about Donald Trump. And listening to that clip, you almost wonder, did he forget he was president for four years? So what has happened, he bears some responsibility for if any other president does. Um, That said, I do think uh, there is widespread agreement in the United States, as you mentioned, bipartisan support. You know, you hear policy analysts say all the time, even though it would help companies, it would help all of us as consumers to cut some of those tariffs in Section 301, it is going to be very very, very hard to get there in this political environment. And, you know, for the Biden administration at this point in particular, a very hard uh, movement to move forward on. So they will probably hold the line the way it is. Jeannie Shantano and Rick Davis, our signature panel on the Monday edition of Sound On. You think you know how this presidential race is going to turn out? Roger Stone will tell you otherwise. That's coming up by Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. We've been talking for most of the hour about the race for president 2024 from No Labels. A little while ago to the Republican candidates forum in Florida over the weekend and Joe Biden's chances for re-election. But if you ask Roger Stone, we're talking about a lot of the wrong people, at least on the Democratic side, as he describes at the Turning Point Action Conference over the weekend in Florida. Now, as a veteran of many years in American politics, I'm going to tell you something somewhat shocking. Joe Biden will not be the nominee of the Democratic Party in 2024. Hmm. Kamala Harris will briefly become president, but the only way in their party they can replace a woman of color is with another woman of color. And yes, you heard it here first, the Democratic nominee for president will be Michelle Obama. Mm. That's not the first time I heard that. They have already rigged their primaries. Oh, that I didn't know. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with us in our final moment here. Rick, did... Did you see that coming? Well, you can never see Roger Stone coming. So uh, I think everybody gets a pass on whether they could have predicted this. But, uh, you know, look, when you're giving a speech in front of a bunch of conspiracy theorists, why not, you know, (laughs) add it on? And uh, nobody can do it like Roger can. Gas on fire. Uh, Jeannie, is that the secret plan? What, what What did you know about this? 
Well, what we knew about it, Roger Stone should give credit to Monica Crawley, who said it in 2022. Give credit to another conservative woman who said it in 2022. He doesn't want to do that. I'll believe it when he adds Michelle Obama to his tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. Maybe then I'll believe this is where we're headed. Okay, I guess that's a fair deal. Uh, could, Could Michelle Obama win? Uh, you know what? She could win a Democratic primary for sure, but she's not going to run against uh, Joe Biden. Who would? Yeah, she loves not. her life. Of course not. I just wonder if all the talk, you know, she's really, you know, a national candidate. Yeah, we won't go any further on Roger Stone's tattoos. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis, thank you. As always, our signature panel. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. We've got a lot of stuff to discuss here, and it really starts at the Treasury Department, uh, I guess by way of India, where Anne-Marie interviewed uh, Janet Yellen earlier today, uh, remotely, of course, from Washington, but a lot of questions about policies. They covered a lot of ground, but questions about policies that originated in the Trump administration that live on in the Biden administration. Yeah, like the imposition of tariffs mm-hmm. five years ago. I believe it was five years to the day from when Treasury Secretary Yellen landed in Beijing. And we know that China brought this issue up on her trip there. But what the Treasury Secretary told Anne Marie is basically that China hasn't done enough to indicate that the tariffs should be removed in terms of some of these unfair trade practices. And of course, it's also a very difficult position that the Treasury Secretary is in because there's a lot of China hawks here in Washington. It's an election year for Mm -hmm. the sitting president, and you can't be seen going easier Mm -hmm. on China, perhaps. Yeah, not a lot of progress or any at all. Listen to how she put it. We put tariffs in place on China because we had Um, underlying concerns about unfair uh, trade practices, particularly those affecting intellectual property and technology transfer. And those concerns really have not been addressed. It's interesting because, you know, we spent so much time talking about uh, intellectual property theft, IP theft over the years, that it's been much more recently focused on high-tech chips that could be used in weaponry, you know, putting guardrails mm-hmm. on AI. But she kind of brings us back to the, the foundation of the argument that we've been ha- having with Beijing for years. Yeah, she does. And she was also alluding to more things that could be to come, like yeah. this executive order on outbound investment mm-hmm. that has been talked about for some time. And according to Bloomberg's reporting, could be actually formally unveiled by the end of this month. But in theory, that's just another tit to Beijing's tat. Yeah, right. Well, kind of this, she said, this back and forth, she although said, she did not, not like that thing. idea. Yes, right. that's when you know maybe you're getting warm. Uh, I'm guessing Mick has some thoughts on this. It's Monday, and we talk to Mick Mulvaney at this time every week. The former director of OMB and the former uh, U.S. special envoy for Northern Ireland, former congressman, former acting White House chief of staff. There are more formers there. I literally could keep on going. Mick, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's good to have you here. When you left the Trump White House. Did you ever imagine these tariffs lasting this far into the Biden administration? Uh, yeah, uh, we all did. Um, it was really interesting to watch because you say what you want to about Donald Trump, and there is no shortage of things to say about Donald Trump. He changed the Republican Party's position on trade and specifically on trade with China um, and convinced a lot of folks, myself included, that this, this, this harder line on trade with China was the right way to go. And I think what you saw in the 2020 election 
was essentially antipathy towards China being the only real bipartisan thing in Washington, D.C. In fact, in the election, you sort of got the impression both parties are trying to get further to the right is not the right word, but harsher on China than the other parties. So, no, it doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me that, they, that they've stayed there. And I expect them to continue to, to remain because I haven't seen the politics of it change in D.C. yet. Yeah, maybe it's more hawkish, Joe, would be a way to describe that in terms of the attitude toward China. But Mick, it speaks to the difficulty. This administration also is trying to reopen lines of communication and improve the relationship, which is still very tense. How can you do both realistically? Can China be the U.S.'s friend? Uh, you know, listen. I, I, or co- I cooperative very, partner. Yeah, more, more cooperative partner. That's a real. That's a, that's a, that's a very politically correct way of, of asking the question. Um, <laughs> you know, look, I, I'm 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 old, right? I'm older than you folks mm-hmm. are, and I remember the, the last time we dealt with an authoritarian communist part, uh, communist country, um, and we didn't, you know, sell them uh, um, phones and uh, and and and. Uh, automobiles and so forth. We just beat them. I don't know if that's the formula. I don't think that it is with China. You can't do the same things to China that you did to the Soviet Union. But I've always wondered why our attitude is so different uh, towards China. I can't tell you the number of Fortune 500 CEOs who would march into the Oval Office every single week and beg the president to go lighter on China because it was good for business. I can't imagine that happening with the Soviet Union in the 1960s and 1970s. So can we be do we have to be enemies? No. Are, mm-hmm. are they going to be the same as the U.K. and Germany and Korea and Japan? I just don't see it as long as there's still a, a communist dictatorship. All right. So I'm going to turn this around on you for a second. And maybe you'll tell me that I'm coming from the wrong place on this. But I was I was compelled to play back uh, the answer that Donald Trump gave Fox News about a possible mainland China invasion of Taiwan. He started talking about the chip industry and how China could could shut off. It was part of the, the, the framing of the question by Maria Bartiromo. But he said, yeah, they, they invade Taiwan. They, they could essentially turn off the world because of that extreme concentration of chips. And it's something that we talk about a lot here at Bloomberg. But listen to what else he said. If China takes Taiwan, they will turn the world off, potentially. I mean, potentially. Uh, but remember this, Taiwan took, smart, brilliant, they took our business away. We should have stopped them. We should have taxed them. We should have tariffed them. Okay, the, uh, now where's he going with that, Mick? It's, it's kind of a yeah, but they took our business away, so let them get invaded. And I'm asking you that in a, in a Washington where it's, it's like the one bipartisan thing we can find to hate on China. Is that going to be a new... Uh, line of philosophy yeah, from Donald Trump? Joe, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just used to his, hearing his voice more than you are. I, I didn't make the leap to, okay. you know, they took our stuff, so therefore it's okay for China to invade them. I didn't make that leap. Or that we wouldn't what, go to their defense. Exactly. What you just heard is the way Donald Trump talks about everybody. Every country that we have, you know, sort of shipped jobs to jobs. Donald Trump doesn't like globalization. That's not his thing, right? He is, that, that's what did America first is, is really America first. Um, he never... Um, liked the fact that we were shipping jobs overseas or that we you know, had favorable trade policies with, with, with folks overseas. So that's not specific um, to Taiwan. But he would um, not defend I, Taiwan if invaded. That seems pretty clear, right? Yeah, I think you gotta, I, I, I've never heard him answer, ask, ask that question straight out. I never heard uh-huh. him answer that question straight out. And my guess is he's, he's cagey enough not to answer the question. He, he, listen, he knows uh, on negotiations. He got asked this the other day about 
Russia, you know, who do you think should win the war in Ukraine? Russia goes, you know, if I answer that question, it makes it really hard to negotiate with either side that is unhappy with my answer. And to a certain extent, he's right. It's, it, there's a certain human nature there. You do wish at some point that, you know, he, he'd be a little bit more definitive in his support for our friends and a little bit more definitive in his opposition to our competitors. But uh, mm. that's um, Donald Trump being Donald Trump, I guess. Well, and as we talk about his attitude toward China and the hardening of attitudes toward China really across the board, regardless of party, who do you think China would rather have in the White House again come, <laughs> come the beginning oh, of 2025? A, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know I, I don't know. Boy, I tell you, that's, I, I, I wanted, part of me wants to say Trump for, for one reason, because he's a negotiator and he he. he he doesn't have a lot of emotion when it comes to this kind of stuff. He just wants to cut a deal. But part of me says he wants to be Biden because they perceive him as being weaker than Trump. So I, I don't know if there's a good answer to that question. I think the better mm-hmm. question is, you know, would they rather have America now or America 30 years ago? And they'd rather have America 30 years ago. I don't think they like the trends. They they think mm-hmm. they, they perceive that we've sort of caught on to what they're trying to do. And we don't like it. Very much. So wow. I don't know if I've got any friends in Washington, Kaylee. oh mick come on we need to ask you about speaking of no friends this idea of a no labels candidacy uh having been around the world of campaigning and knowing donald trump to the extent that you do and his supporters here there's a big event happening in new hampshire where no labels is featuring a series of town halls uh, with joe manchin and john huntsman manchin of course keeps coming up as a potential unity candidate along with uh, Larry Hogan. I talked earlier uh, with the, the national co-chair of No Labels, Pat McCrory, the former, I bet you know him, former governor of North Carolina, uh, who, who took a bit of offense to this idea of being framed as a spoiler. Mick, here's what he said. In case uh, after Super Tuesday of next year, Trump and Biden are the two candidates that look like will win, then we'll most likely run a third ticket. Uh, presidential ticket, most likely a a bipartisan ticket, president and vice president, but only if uh, Biden and Trump are the two final nominees. Okay, so he's looking at, you know, the polling data he's looking at, Mick, says these these two guys are, they're, they're seen as being too old. Each of their respective parties wish they had someone else. Can you really do what he said, though, wait till Super Tuesday to figure that out and successfully run a candidate on a national level that late? Yeah, actually, you can. Um, whether or not you should or not is another question. I, I know the No Labels folks. I know Pat. Pat was my mayor before he was the governor. He's my mayor most of my adult life, as a matter of fact, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'm familiar with what they're doing. And the answer to your question is yes, they can wait because they're actually already working now to get the ballot access, which is the key part. They don't have a candidate yet, but you don't have to have a candidate to get on the ballot. And that's the stuff that takes a long time and a lot of money, and they are doing the real work to, to be ready for that. They're also a data-driven organization. They've seen the same polling data you've just mentioned. In fact, they've seen a lot more polling data. They've shared some of it with me about folks' willingness to go a third way if it is Trump versus Biden. Now, all of that being said, um, there is a real strong argument that what they would do would help Joe Biden. And I know they don't like it when I say that, but a third party tends to be tends to be a protest vote, or at least to have some component of a protest vote, which tends to sort of hurt the party in power, which in this case would be Joe Biden. Um, I think if they go with I think if they go with, with Joe Manchin, um, they, they hurt Biden. If they go with Larry Hogan, they might hurt Trump a little bit. I don't think and I told them this. so I'm not I'm not I'm not breaking new ground here that unless they go with somebody outside of politics, an Oprah Winfrey, a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, somebody like that, I, th- I don't think they have a chance of winning, but they certainly have a chance of influencing the outcome.
Yeah, I just wonder what share realistically of the vote you think any third party candidate would be able to grab. Well, keep in mind, you only have it's it's, it's winner take all. So, I mean, you only got to get 33 mm-hmm. percent, right, or 32 if you've got fourth and fifth parties in there. Colonel West is Colonel West is in there pulling a couple points. You only need a third. And then you win all that states uh, in, in a state and you get a third in the state. You win all that state's electoral vote. So you don't have to have 50 percent. You talked to The Rock about this. That's not the first time you brought it up. <laughs> it's not. Uh, and I've not talked to him directly. I've talked to a dozen people uh, that know him. And uh, he is a very politically active and astute guy. He's spoken at, I believe, the Republican National Convention at least once, maybe twice. Um, and I think he just thinks this is not his time. And I keep telling people um, who anybody who thinks about running for president, it, it, it's either your time or it's not. And it might not always be your time. So if you get a chance, you should take it when you can. I'm literally just sitting here Googling <laughs> Dwayne Johnson presidential oh, no, run. Oprah Winfrey, though. <laughs> Roger Stone said over the weekend that it would be Michelle Obama. What do you know? No, no. I just had uh, I just had dinner last week with a bunch of my Democrat friends. I do not pretend to know the Obamas. I've met them once or twice. I don't know them, but I do mm-hmm. know a lot of Democrats in that town who know them very well. And without exception, they say there's no chance. They said that they have absolutely no interest in going back into public service, that that is not going to happen. Well, we're not curious about reality. We just want to know if you think she can win. <laughs> I can't imagine Oprah Winfrey would ever oh, jump no, into this thing. I haven't Taylor Swift then yet either. So that's the name I've heard. <laughs> well, the Rock Swift ticket would be heavy duty. Mm. Spending time with Mick Mulvaney here on Bloomberg Sound On. You see this New York Times story uh, from uh, Jonathan Swan earlier today. Trump and allies forging plans to increase presidential power in 2025. He was asked also in that Bartiromo interview about draining the swamp, and this does seem to be... Uh, kind of what they have sites set on Mick by actually uh, concentrating the power of the administration to have more sway over government agencies, over the bureaucracy. Uh, Could Donald Trump make this happen? I hope so. I I hope he does for every president's sake. Um, You're going to elect the chief executive officer of a country. You should give them the right to hire uh, hire and fire people in the executive branch. And a president doesn't have that right now. I bet bet the Republican, I bet the, uh, the permanent civil service that works in Washington, D.C., votes 95 percent Democrat. Um, now, ordinarily, with good bureaucrats, with good civil servants, they don't take their politics to the office, but it doesn't take very many of them to do that to really have an impact. I can't tell you the number of people who worked for me at the CFPB who were dedicated every single day to making sure I couldn't do what, uh, what was on my agenda. Wow. They were actively working against me. That's not right. And if you want to go, if, if the American people elect a Republican president, they deserve to have a Republican executive branch. If they elect a Democrat, they deserve to have a Democrat executive branch. But I fully support um, th- this effort to, to reinvigorate the presidency when it comes to running the executive branch. Wow. Now, the swamp thing is right. And the thing yeah. I could never convince Trump on was that money was the water in the swamp, and he was never willing to cut spending to drain the swamp. Ooh, money is the water in the swamp. (laughs) Way to go out with the line. Mick Mulvaney, thank you. Just wait for that fight with Congress, Kaylee. Oh, yeah. Kaylee Lines and Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Thanks for listening to the Sound On podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.